Back in 1879, Thomas Edison rocked the world with his incandescent light bulb invention. And today, motorcycles are still manufactured using that same design. But there is a better faster, more efficient option on the market, and that's LED. Today we're going to get into LED lighting and get some information that should make finding an LED light for your motorcycle a no-brainer. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Shall we begin? Shall we begin? Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. And the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll fill your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hickstead. Dr. Gregor W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lanfield. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schmutz. Brett Tatt. Zoe Cano. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Rowe. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. I'm Carol DeVell, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com The MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com. Hey, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to those of you who have supported the show up till now by going to our website and clicking on the support button. We really appreciate it. It means the world to us and it makes it so the show is possible to do. We've built it on a model of of advertising and um, support from the listeners to, to make the whole thing work. And without that support, we just can't do it. So if you like what you're getting here and you, you think there's some value in it, um, consider supporting it. Drop by the website, www.adventureriderradio.com and uh, click on the support button. Thanks very much. Never was failure more complete. Never was higher courage shown. Never was triumph more brilliant than that. Thomas Edison, 1908. Has kept the old world more Alongside the new, by pulsating cables of steel and copper, the family prize of the civilized world. When I look around at the resources of the United States, 
just an, an off question. How many times do you try something before you finally give up? Well, Thomas Edison did over 3,000 different experiments. 3,000, think about that, before he finally came up with a, a model for an incandescent light bulb that worked. And he filed a patent for it back in 1879. Now, that invention changed the world in so many ways, and the night was literally lit up. It was soon illuminating homes and factories, so progress could march on sort of regardless of the time of day or the time of year for that matter. But the light bulb also found its way into almost every area of life, including automobiles and motorcycles. And for the automobile motorcycle industry, the light really didn't change that much. It stayed that way up until maybe about 10 years ago when we started to see we've got a better way. LED lighting. It draws less power for the same amount of light, and get this, the bulbs last, well, almost forever. On today's episode, we look at LED lighting for motorcycles from top to bottom so you can learn what's behind the making of the light, and more importantly, decide what makes a good light and what makes a cheap light and what light is going to work for your bike. My name is Glenn Stasky, and I live in Folsom, California, which is a small suburb of Sacramento. And I own a LED lighting and safety light business that we manufacture uh, right here in the United States. Glenn, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Well, thanks very much. Glad to be here. You have a creation story for Clearwater that I really like. Can you tell that? Well, um, as a child, I was always enamored with audio, hi-fi. And so I had this great uh, desire to learn about loudspeakers. I went off to school, studied physics, and uh, graduated and got basically got a job working for um, one of the top audio companies in the world right out of school, a company called Nakamichi. And um, that was really my calling. And I've been doing that for about 20-something years. And about, uh, this is almost nine years ago now, I went to visit one of my biggest customers in the Midwest and they're a pretty well-known car audio manufacturer. And I was what you call an OEM manufacturer, meaning I would design the product kind of to their specifications. I would build it. They'd tell me what they want. And um, they also owned a, a helmet company. So uh, they're motorcyclists. And I put my motorcycle on my on a truck load of speakers I was shipping them, shipped the, the motorcycle to them. And the plan was to train their salespeople and their marketing people for about a week and then ride the motorcycle home. Well, they were a big part of my business. Uh, they were my biggest customer. And uh, they were with me for about 10 years. And um, at that meeting, <laughs> the president told me that he had had all my product copied in China. And this was my last order. And uh, it, it's hard to tell the story without getting choked up. But uh, I felt like my world had ended. Um, and so I got on my motorcycle. And it, of course, it started pouring rain. And I started riding home. And I was contemplating for the three or four days I was taking to go home, contemplating what I was going to do. I had 25 employees dedicated to just this customer. And I now have to let them know that they're losing their jobs. It was coming up to Christmas. So it was a sad time in my life. And on the way home, I was on a Yamaha FJR, and I had equipped it with a set of high-power HID auxiliary lights. So they would come on with a high beam. And the HIDs, as you know, are rather slow to reignite. The ballast has to generate a high-voltage arc to energize the gas inside the bulb. So 
there was a car on the horizon flashing his lights at me. It was in Colorado on Highway 50 in Durango. I remember it well. And uh, he kept flashing his lights at me, and I couldn't understand why because my lights weren't that bright. So I eventually turned my high beams off, turned off the big high beam, HID headlights, and I went down to just the standard low beam, which was like a candle compared. And my night blindness from having the bright lights on was uh, amplified, I guess, because I was riding so long with the lights on, and I couldn't see anything. So the car kept coming at me, and uh, he flashed his lights again and again, and I was like, I was really annoyed. It took maybe a, two seconds probably, but it felt like a long, long time. And I finally passed him. I turned on the high beams, and before the HIDs could come on, I saw this dead deer in the road that the car was obviously warning, warning me about. So I hit this deer at about 80 miles an hour, and I don't know how it happened, but I bounced over it, and, and uh, it didn't crash. I don't know why. And uh, got off the bike and contemplated life and fact that I'm alive. And at that point, it was kind of, you know, they say it's the epiphany that someone has, but it came to me that said, this is my new business. I am going to design a better light for motorcycles because I don't want this to happen to anybody else again. So I took my audio background and, and I said, I'm going to find a way to, to make an adjustable light. I want it to be able to tailor the light to the circumstances. So I don't have to turn them all the way off for an oncoming car. And I want it to come on instantly. And that was it. That was eight, nine years ago. And uh, we pioneered the uh, adjustable intensity lights. And I settled on LED. LEDs were just starting to become uh, up, up in the uh, efficiency uh, range where they would be competitive with fluorescent lights. And currently, we manufacture uh, it's about 15 different products. We try to build everything we possibly can here in the United States, and uh, and it's been uh, a good roller coaster ride. I, I'm very happy with the results, and um, we've achieved um, a good market share and very good reputation. Uh, I have a great team of customer service people, engineers, assembly people, and uh, we enjoy it. We help save lives on motorcyclists, and uh, it's a good feeling. So I feel good about our business. Well, anyone that's searched for LED lights has probably come across the inexpensive ones you can find on places like eBay. And you have to know they're cutting costs, um, as all of those manufacturers are when they're doing something like a sort of a product knockoff. What is it about them? How do they manage to do this? The LED business is a great example of how they cut corners. I look at some products that are for sale, like online or eBay or even you know, some, manuf- some of my competitors sell products. I look at it and go, how do they make it at that cost? I said, the parts alone that I buy cost more than, than they're selling the product for. That's because the factory is buying the lowest quality. For instance, in, in LEDs, when you buy an LED, uh, people may not know this, but they, they may make, let's say, within a certain model of an LED. I'm talking the actual LED. They may make it in two or three different, we'll call color temperatures, like a warm yellow, a white, and then maybe a bluish white, the different colors, you know, a cooler temperature. But when they try to make those, they make them with a, let's say, a certain recipe, if you will. But each, every time they make that recipe, they may make a million LEDs in one production month. And of course, all those LEDs cannot be the same quality. They vary. There's a little bit of variance in, in the way the, the dye was pressed, the way that the capsule was molded on, uh, the uh, 
the phosphorus uh, that's put on the yellow. By the way, most white LEDs, you see they're not white. They're actually blue LEDs. I don't think people realize that. They're blue with a filter on them to turn them and make them white. Okay. So that's why the, the yellow front of most LEDs is actually phosphorus, and it's a filter that's designed to kind of filter out certain portions of the light so it looks more white. But because there's so many variations in them, they actually they grade them. They actually put every LED on, let's say, a fixture. They'll put electricity through it, and they'll measure the light with a meter. And then they'll kick it in a little, like a bin. It's exactly what it's called. It's called binning. They'll put it in a, like a plastic tub. This one meets this characteristic. This one meets this characteristic. And these bins, there are hundreds of different qualifications for the LED. There's the efficiency, there's the color, there's the voltage, the forward voltage, there's, there's uh, a color rendition index. In other words, how accurate does it make color like a blue, uh, a blue scarf? Does it look blue under this light? So there's hundreds of these different specifications that LEDs are sorted by. So you can buy the same LED anywhere from, let's say, 30 cents to $2, depending on what grade it is. Like if it's, if it's a AAA or um, you know, prime, like meat is rated in prime or whatever. So for our LEDs, we want the most efficient. We want the same exact color because we have two lights and some of our lights have multiple LEDs. Could you imagine if someone bought a pair of our LED lights and then looked at it and five of the lights were, were, were white and one of them was yellow? You know, that just wouldn't happen. And that happens quite often with China because they don't care. They don't pay for the bidding. Um, and there's, there's many aspects to an LED that have to be um, mine and managed, I should say. Everybody thinks that LEDs don't get hot. Well, in reality, they really do get very, very hot. Um, it's just they're not like a halogen bulb. A halogen bulb actually pushes heat forward. It throws heat. Okay, it's part of the light. Part of the byproduct of the heat is the light. The light is a byproduct in a, in a halogen bulb. Whereas an LED, the actual LED itself, which is maybe, oh, maybe three or four millimeters square, then it gets exceedingly hot, so hot that you could not touch it. It would burn your finger instantly. And the challenge in an LED design is to design that LED so that the heat gets extracted off the back of the LED efficiently and quickly and consistently because the LED's life depends drastically on how well the temperature is managed. And I cannot emphasize that enough. LEDs have, I guess people claim they have lifespans of 50,000, 100,000 hours. That's only under perfect conditions. Uh, I've had LEDs fail uh, in testing, we've, we've tested some with, with minimal heat sinking on them. I've seen them fail in five minutes. And what happens is they get so hot that they start self-destructing. And they'll actually start turning blue as the phosphorus kind of burns up. Um, and it's easy to save money by not putting a, a big piece of copper or aluminum heat sink in a design. Um, I've seen some products that have uh, for instance, light bars. I've seen some light bars we've taken apart, and there's, there is no heat sinking in there at all. And the LEDs are just held in place with a screw, and there's no thermal compound. 
And it, we've been shocked at, at the quality and the cost-cutting measures that are made on some of these. So the key there is there's a big war, I guess. It's a war for the bottom line, the, the lowest price, least expensive LED. And we've chosen not to play that game. Um, we want to build the best quality, light, most reliable um, product we can, most durable. Um, we're very proud of the quality we build here. So, um, the, when uh, when manufacturers make LED lights, quite often they claim they're made with Cree LED lights. What is a Cree LED light? Cree is just a brand, um, and it just happens to be a popular brand. It's a U.S. company. Um, some of the dyes are, uh, 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 I should say, the uh, the wafers are grown here in the United States and then shipped to China for assembly. Uh, Cree is a very, very big company. And um, they're unique in that they not only make the LEDs themselves, but they make the drivers, the circuitry to drive them. And they also make completed LED lights that you can buy in like Home Depot. But I've been using them. I used um, another brand uh, called Soul Semiconductor. There's there's probably 15 or so LED manufacturers in the world. Um, some are exclusively made in China. And Cree has actually been copied in China, too. This fake Cree. So when it says Cree lights, in other words, it's really just a manufacturer. It's not really saying anything about the quality. Would, would they have their LEDs sorted as well, I assume, the same way that you would sort a, an LED in any factory. They would have the lower quality ones and the higher quality ones. Absolutely. Um, I can buy, uh, like for instance, if a company wants to build a low-cost flashlight, they can buy almost any LED because there's no other LED next to it to be compared to it. See, if it's a single LED, then one person is not going to hold two flashlights side by side and engage the the accuracy of the two colors. Um, so, uh, Cree, you know, Cree is they use the same manufacturing techniques as everybody else there's good there's better and there's best um so when they're sorted though they're sorted for color well they're sorted for about a hundred different things there's all sorts i mean i have probably 50 different characteristics that we we look through when we order them and the price could vary like like i said from 35 cents to two dollars it's almost a factor of 10 times for one led um because the ones that we pick, we pick one of the top bin codes because we particularly want 6,300 degree Kelvin, which is our, our signature color. We like that. Would you say that it's a natural light or, or a more blue light or white? When I say natural, I guess what I'm really looking for is something that more resembles an incandescent light. No, it at most definitely does not resemble an incandescent light. Incandescent is somewhere in the 2,500 to 3,000 degree Kelvin. And those, the numbers really don't mean much. It's kind of confusing, the numbers. Um, but a halogen light is a warmer, has more of a, we call it a warmer color. It has more of a yellowish color. Um, it produces, uh, you know, a, a warm, inviting color for like a, a, a living room and such. Whereas some of the white light, like a fluorescent light, fluorescent tubes come in different colors too. You can get a fluorescent tube that looks so bluish white in an office that it makes your skin look green. And have you noticed that? Um, the colors can be very unflattering to the human skin color. Um, we chose 6300, well, I'll tell you, it's because the human eye processes that temperature color bandwidth more efficiently. It, even though a light meter may say it's 100 lumens, 
human eye thinks that it can use that light more efficiently. It's, it thinks it's brighter because it happens to fall in, when your your eyes don't process light the way a light meter does. Okay, uh, so, so hang, hang on. This is interesting, but we're throwing some terms out here. So Kelvin is temperature, light temperature, you know, so whether it looks more blue or white or, or yellow, that's what you're using Kelvin for. Yes. Uh, lumens is the intensity of light, the amount of light that's falling on a, uh, on a meter or on a tester. Well, yes and no. Lumens is kind of a misleading term. Um, the industry uses it, so we use it. Um, but lumens is the total amount of light that a particular light source can generate. And it doesn't mean that that light is usable. For instance, if you were to take a giant white styrofoam ball and cut a little hole in it and stick a flashlight in there and then put a meter inside that styrofoam ball, if you would, the light bouncing around the entire inside of that sphere would be the total amount of lumens coming out of it. And you could measure it, and that's how we measure it here. We can measure it with a meter. So the lumens is the total amount of light coming out of the light source, regardless of the lens or the directivity. In other words, the focusing of that light. Here's directivity, that's an audio term, but it applies to light as well. Um, I tell you, but I still deal with, with waves. It used to be sound waves, now I deal with light waves. I'm just dealing with <laughs> much higher frequencies. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't hear it anymore. But, um, so if you, if you take it for this, the lumens is how much light the device produces. If you want to measure how much light can be thrown, if you will, let's say down the road, or let's say you have a target 100 feet away, a white square, and you want to measure how much light is on that square, that typically is the term that refers to how much light is usable on that square amount of area is called lux, L-U-X. So two lights can have the same amount of lumens, and one can have much higher lux rating down the road, depending on how well the light is focused and what type of optics are used. That's really important because it also tells us that it's not just the um, LED that makes a difference here. The, everything that goes after that, after the LED is made, all the engineering that goes into the reflectors and your housing, all of that sort of thing, including the heat dissipation that you mentioned earlier, is all part of what makes a great light great. Absolutely. Any one of those, if with any of the one of those missing, that the light is not going to perform properly or perform for any length of time. So when somebody's buying an LED light, they're looking for a light for their motorcycle, quite often, or up until now, I guess, up until the, the advent of LEDs, watts has been king. You look at it and you say, okay, how, how many watts can I get? What's the biggest wattage bulb uh, I can possibly get? That doesn't work here. That's correct. It used to be in, in the ages of halogen bulbs, or even before halogen came out, there was the regular incandescent. Um, watts was king particularly because incandescent bulbs are all relatively the same efficiency. Now, some can claim this and that, but they're, they're, they're pretty inefficient, but uh, no one can doubt that a 100-watt bulb will produce more light than a 50-watt bulb. And provided that the housing and the wiring and the switches can handle the additional wattage, it's usually better to have a higher wattage bulb, provided your motorcycle or or electrical source can provide that power. Now, a common upgrade that some people have done in the past is to put overwattage bulbs in their headlights. Um, now, BMWs are pretty well-designed motorcycles, but their electrical systems for the light bulbs are just barely adequate. And so if the light bulb, the housing is designed for a 55-watt 50, light bulb, you better not put a 100-watt light bulb in there. 
most likely the wiring's going to melt. I've seen it happen dozens of times. And typically, if it's a, a newer bike and it has a plastic reflector, mylarized uh, chrome-plated reflector, plastic, and a plastic headlight lens, there's a good chance that it might overheat that housing and, and melt the, the very expensive headlight. And I've seen that happen many times. Customers have brought their bikes into the shop, and um, we've done an installation of our lights, and they say, well, what do you think of my headlight bulb? And I said, well, the, the, the housing's all melted. We've got to fix this. And they, they didn't even realize it. Um, something that's also engineered into motorcycles and um, cars, this is kind of an interesting tidbit. A uh, halogen bulb will produce, it's the most, uh, it will produce more light with more voltage applied to it. Typically, most cars are regulated to, let's say, maximum of 14, 14.1 volts with the voltage regulator. So your halogen headlight will produce the most light with 14 volts applied to it. Okay, But any manufacturers, many manufacturers, including trucks, will put smaller gauge wire in the headlight circuit for two reasons. Number one, they save on wire costs. And if you're a big company... Um, like let's say Ford, and you make a million pickup trucks a year, and you can save, oh, I don't know, let's say a million feet of wire going down from, let's say, 18 gauge down to 20 gauge. It's just a little step down in size, but you could save hundreds of thousands of dollars in copper by just downgrading the wire. Now, the money alone wouldn't be the main motivator for that, but another advantage happens. When you lower the amount of voltage, but by putting a smaller wire, you're actually choking off the electricity, if you will. It's a, it's a rough term there, but that's, that's kind of basically what's happening. You're not allowing the full amount of current to flow through, and the voltage is, is we're losing voltage. So the bulb won't get the full volt, 14 volts. It may even get 12 volts. But that two-volt savings or loss almost triples the life of the bulb. So now your warranty claims go down people don't bring it in for just a light bulb being fixed anymore because the light bulb now has three times the life and it may have 80% of the light output of it's capable, but the life expectancy is, is, is much greater. So manufacturers do this. They save money and they also extend the life of the bulbs. And believe me, this is true in many, many vehicles. Uh, you can actually put a voltmeter on your battery while it's while the car's running and you see that the battery's fully charged then take the same voltmeter and put it right on the terminals of the of the light bulb while the light bulb's on and i'll bet you don't get 14 volts there so some people make upgrade kits which is they, they'll put heavier duty wires and run wires from the battery with a relay to their light bulbs to get more power and that's a common upgrade for someone that doesn't that wants to do an inexpensive upgrade to your bike just be sure that the connector We'll say that the, the wiring connector is an upgraded one because it's going to get hotter. And also, I recommend putting that in only motorcycles that have a, a metalized reflector with a glass lens. They, they're typically capable of handling more power. Um, so that's a cute trick to be able to upgrade your headlights with very little money. But one of your, your better upgrades is to switch to an LED system, is it not? I think an LED um, is, is the best bang for the buck, the most light you're going to get for the amount of electricity you're going to have. <clears throat> now, um, there are ways you can actually change the factory headlight, and you can change it out to an LED headlight, or you can change it out to an HID headlight. Um, we're in the LED auxiliary light business. That's what we do. 
but we do not change, we do not upgrade a DOT certified headlight and changing it from a halogen bulb to any other type of bulb. We, we just choose not to do it. There are people that do it. And you could do that if you want. We just don't recommend it. Um, we recommend a good quality halogen bulb. Uh, we could do a relay bypass if you want to make get a little more power out of it. But the best way to get more light in your car legally is to add an auxiliary set of driving lights. Which brings me to something you said at the very start. You said about adjustable intensity. And this is something you don't, I haven't seen a lot on LED bulbs. Uh, certainly they're becoming a little bit more popular for homes as LED bulbs become more popular, more mainstream. I'm seeing dimmable ones. But for motorcycles, I haven't come across this. So what is this? This is really my invention. Uh, I was the first person to ever do it. People used to laugh at me. Why would you want to dim an LED. There's no power in an LED anyway. So that's actually a quote I got from some magazine editor once. I have it written down. It's funny. Um, the idea is that at the time when I hit this deer, I had to turn my lights off because of an oncoming car. And I didn't have the ability to, to, to lower the intensity so that he wouldn't be bothered, yet I still had my night vision. And that is critical. That was the key to me. I want to be able to get somewhere between halfway and, and, and all the way out. I want to find a sweet spot where, where the oncoming cars aren't going to flash me. And we tell our customers all of our lights from day one have all been adjustable um, from in the beginning from 5% to 55 And then when you hit the high beam, our, our, our lights go to full power. Or when you hit the horn, our lights go to full power. It's your choice. It's all programmable. But the, the critical thing for us is to be able to have turn our lights up while you're driving with low beam, turn them up to a point where cars, maybe a car flashes you because it's a little too bright. Then just turn it down just a little bit. We want motorcycles to be seen. We don't want to have to turn off the lights because then you lose your conspicuity. Some of our lights are mounted on the forks, down low on the forks, like our Darla and our Glenda lights are mounted down on the forks. And between the two lights on on the forks with, let's say, a yellow filter on them, we also sell them with yellow uh, filters, and it's a very specialized color. I'll tell you about that later. Um, we want to make a motorcycle look like something that a car has never seen before. We want to prevent the dreaded left-hand turn in front of you. That is what our Darla lights are designed for, to improve your, your, your conspicuity, the ability to be seen. Um, I used to joke that I tell people that do anything you can to be more visible. Wear a lime green monkey suit, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, people will laugh at you, but they'll notice you. Um, and if that's what it takes, do it. We have people that are riding around in fluorescent lime green aerostitch suits. And, you know, they may look a little silly, but, boy, you can see them a long way away. And every manufacturer is, is, is making lime uh, reflective uh, jackets and, and uh, helmets. So the ability to keep our lights on and not have to turn them off is absolutely critical to our mission of making motorcycles safer. So the variable light controller, which effectively is nothing more than a digital volume control for my car audio amplifier days. And it's basically the power supply that drives our LEDs is effectively part of the switching power supply that was, that was developed out here in Sacramento uh, for Soundstream car audio amplifiers. I worked for Soundstream for a long time too. So I basically took the power supply section of a car audio amplifier and put that in a light and then put a little computer in there that monitors its own temperature so they regulate themselves and develop this system with a, it's, it's an actual digital, it's a, it's a volume control. It's a, it's a, a log paper, audio volume control that mounts on a handlebar 
and that sends a digital signal to our lights to tell them to match uh, the intensity relative to where the rotational position of the, of the knot is. And if you don't, if you can't dim the lights, then your only option is turning them off. And that to us is not an option. We don't want you to have to turn them off. That's, that's really incredible. I, w- I wasn't aware that you had adjustable uh, lights. I didn't realize that that was part of, of your design right from the start. I run auxiliary lights on mine. I've done the same thing. I've replaced the headlights before. On, on the bike I have now, I didn't even bother to replace the headlights. I strictly put on my auxiliary lights. In the areas that I ride in, I, I end up riding night fair bit. And there's a lot of animals on the road. So it's, it's really paramount to have very good quality lights. But the problem I find is is as intensely bright these lights are that I'm running now, when I shut them off, it's like somebody put a blinder over me. It's actually worse than, than if I hadn't had them on to begin with. And that's what happens when another vehicle comes my way. I end up he- having to switch them off completely, and then it's like everything goes black. That's how I hit that deer, for the same reason. And uh, I know for those three seconds that it took for those lights to come back on, it was, I mean, I was, I was, panicking i was staring at the white line the fog line so that i wouldn't drift either off or into the oncoming lane um because i should have really slowed down quicker but it happened so fast um but i'm sure this has happened to many many riders you know so be able to adjust if i had my lights on that fjr all i would have simply done is turned off my high beam and then my lights would drop down to their preset level that i set because the the volume control or, or adjustable dimmer we'll call it that only operates while the lights are in low beam. Okay, so you, you, you adjust it with your low beam, and then when you turn on your high beam, our lights immediately go to full power. So it's an extra set of high beams that go on it. So you can trigger it with your high beam switch. You don't have to turn the knob up and down anymore. So we find that very useful. And it's our signature. It's been in every light from day one. So when a motorcyclist is out looking for an LED light, how do they tell the difference between a good quality light and a poor quality light? without some experience or some little background knowledge, it's hard to tell on, on face value, just looking in a packet for something. I think the best way to go about it, brand recognition, the brand names that are uh, common, been around a long time, uh, are reputable, they're gonna stand behind the product. I think that's the key right there. I would say, if you haven't heard of the name, stay away from them. That's probably the best advice. Glenn, great to talk, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a real nice time chatting with you. And that was Glenn Stasky from Clearwater Lights. You can drop by and check out their dimming lights. www.clearwaterlights.com and that link is in our show notes. We're going to take a one minute break and be right back. Stay with us. We got more. IMS Products has been around since 1976, making products for racers and people just like us. And now they have their complete line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs. And they, I'm sure they have a, a peg for your bike. Drop by their website, www.imsproducts.com. Have a look at what they've got. They've got their foot pegs there that are cast certified 17-4 stainless steel, uh, certified heat treating, and it's all built in the USA. Give them a call or drop by their website. Look what they've got. I, I think trying is believing. You've got to get a set on your bike www.imsproducts.com and of course anytime you're dealing with them let them know you heard them here on adventure rider radio 
My name is Dave Perbula. I'm the president of Custom Dynamics, and we design and manufacture LED lighting for motorcycles. Dave, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you, Jim. Well, talking about LEDs, we're talking about what you can do for your possibly anemic lighting, which a lot of motorcycles have. Even some of the late model high-end motorcycles, they just don't seem to put out enough light. But before we get into this, just give us a rundown of what sort of lights, LED lights do you sell for motorcycles? Sure. We, we sell everything from the decorative lights that you may see only at night that go around the, uh, the engine area, um, ground effects and in, in, on your wheels. So those are the, the decorative lights. That's kind of where we got our route and started our business 15 years ago, all the way to LED turn signals and LED headlamps. Hmm. You've got a bit of a story about how you started this company, don't you? I mean, this wasn't some uh, big project funded by uh, some venture capitalists. Um, absolutely, it was not. <laughs> uh, um, I actually uh, have a background in electronics. Um, I uh, graduated from uh, Rochester Institute of Technology in, uh, in New York um, with a degree of, in electrical engineering. And I did a lot of work in fiber optics when I was uh, in college. I've always had a passion for, for motorcycles. And um, the two kind of crossed paths um, several years after, after graduating from, from college. And back in 2002, um, I started to see the use of LEDs. And again, these were just the decorative LEDs on motorcycles. And with my background and my passion for motorcycles, I decided to start uh, tinkering around with them. So my wife uh, gave me the approval. I built a little website, sold a couple products, uh, invested that money back into the company and kind of just continued from there. And we've grown um, you know, very substantially from where we started our, our roots back in, uh, in our house and actually in my attic. So you have a bigger garage now? Yeah, yeah, much bigger, much bigger <laughs> garage now. <laughs> so you said fiber optics, that you're training a lot of your backgrounds in fiber optics. Is that what you started doing first with the light accenting for bikes? Um, no, not, didn't start with fiber optics, started with the LEDs. But uh, when, when um, in college, I did a lot of work with that. My first job was with the IBM. I worked for IBM for, for 10 years and then for Philips Electronics for nine years. And at IBM, I did a lot of work with, with fiber optics. So with fiber optics, very um, similar to, to LEDs, uh, whether using a laser or a light emitting diode for your source, uh, very, very um, same technology, basically. Um, so when I saw that uh, start to intersect with motorcycles, it became very, very uh, interesting to me since that was my background and my passion was motorcycles. So as far as LEDs for motorcycles go, why would we want to run an LED on a bike? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, there, there's, you know, you hear the buzz about LEDs pretty much everywhere you go now. Um, you go into uh, your Home Depot, your Lowe's, there, there's LEDs uh, everywhere. Um, here in the U.S., we have a mandate that we had to stop selling traditional lighting um, for homes and switch to, to LEDs. Um, so it's a, it's a big buzzword. And, you know, it basically it's uh, LEDs, a light emitting diode It's a small, powerful source of light uh, that illuminates when electrons flow through this material. And this material is a semiconductor. And doing that, it has a lot of advantages um, over traditional uh, incandescent or halogen lighting. What sort of advantages? So one is LEDs use a lot less current, up to 90% less current than a traditional incandescent or halogen bulb. Um, because they use a lot less current, they produce a lot less heat. 
So that's one advantage is that that it doesn't get as hot um, and it doesn't draw as much power. So you have additional power left over for other things, maybe heated grips or there's a lot of other accessories people are putting on their, their vehicle today. And one of the nice benefits of the LEDs is that they can illuminate so much quicker. So, you know, if you're traveling down the road at 55 miles per hour, which is, you know, 80 feet per second, and you hit your brakes, that uh, faster illumination equates to a pretty significant amount of distance. So if you can see the vehicle in front of you stopping quicker, it gives you more reaction time. The, the big advantage um, is that the expected life of an LED is 100,000 hours of continuous use. So that is almost 10 years, if you work out the numbers, of being on all the time. So that's about six times the life of an incandescent or a halogen bulb. So most manufacturers today with LEDs can offer a lifetime warranty. So if you're going to buy that LED headlight or that LED turn signal or taillight, most of the time you can get a very nice warranty up to a lifetime warranty is what we offer on, on in all, all of our LED products. Back to the power thing. Now you said it can use up to 90% less power. And you're talking about 90% less power to produce the same amount of light as the bulb you're replacing. Yes. So, so that's how we calculate it. Um, it's 90% for the same amount of, of, of light output. But the nice thing with LEDs is we can even put out a greater amount of light than a traditional bulb can. Now, when you're replacing things like the headlights in particular, that this is something that all, all lights have to be engineered. And I guess this is the one thing that we want to get across with this piece that we're doing on LED lighting is that there's so many LED lights out there. You can get dirt cheap, you know, if people are shopping on eBay or something like that. You can buy these low quality lights and they appear to be an amazing deal because they'll often say we use Cree LEDs, which is the same name that all the big manufacturers use. And it says it has an aluminum heat sink on it. And these things you think, OK, well, it, it must be the same but they're not. That, that's absolutely correct. And a lot of times it's, it's hard for the average person to understand that because you're really diving down into the semiconductor. What is this made of? What's the process of it? Um, what's the viewing angle of the LED? So here, here's kind of an, I'll give you a couple different analogies. I'll start with just the most basic. So we're all riding motorcycles here. If someone says, well, it's got two wheels, it's got to be the same. And it's not. We all know mm. that just because it has two wheels and it's it's a scooter and a, and a motorcycle are, are two different vehicles. And sure. Just because an LED is, a, you know, looks like the next LED doesn't mean it's going to perform like that. And one of the common things that that we see um, and it's kind of like a, it's, it's kind of a trick that some of these manufacturers play that are copying good quality lighting at, at a really low price is they'll take the light. So let's say we have, we'll just pick a number here, 10 lumens to work with. So if both of the, if, if this light is producing 10 lumens and I take that light and I focus it very narrower down to a point, when I stand there and look at it, it's going to look like it's very bright. If I take that same 10 lumens in a different light and I spread it out over a wider viewing angle, it's not going to look quite as bright to me. And, and actually, the LED with the wider viewing angle is going to be the better eye light because you don't want to be seen just from the front or just from the rear. You want to be seen from a, a little bit of an angle, too. So if the car following you is not directly behind you, if it's off one lane, you want to know when that motorcycle is turning. So the viewing angle is a way that 
some of these manufacturers can kind of can kind of trick you and deceive you into thinking that's a good quality LED and it looks really bright, but they have all that light focused right at you and not spread out over a wider area. So then is it fair to say that there's probably more goes into the reflector and the lens than there is to the LED choice? Yes, that that's that that's fair. Although LEDs don't rely on reflectors, at least some types of LEDs, for example, tail lights and, and turn signals don't typically rely on the reflector as much as a incandescent uh, does. But for a headlight, that that's completely true. A headlight, you're using a lot of different optics and reflectors in there to focus the light where you need it. So, with the headlights, for instance, that you manufacture, are they DOT approved? Yes, yes, yes. So, they, so that's a huge process. So you've, you've got to make sure these things have to be manufactured to a very high specification then. Exactly, exactly. And then you have to not only manufacture it, you have to um, keep your quality control and make sure that your processes aren't changing as you manufacture that and nothing is varying from lot to lot and that you maintain that standard throughout your process. I think what a lot of people don't realize when it comes to headlights in particular is that if you mess with your headlight, if you change it to, you know, you do an HID upgrade or something like that, that you've actually, you've broken the law with it. You have. And HIDs um, became very popular and they're, they're still very popular, although a lot of the HIDs now have been replaced with these LED bulb inserts for your headlight, but they both fall into the exact same category. Your OEM headlight was designed for that bulb put into it. If you replace that stock bulb, that OEM bulb, with a LED bulb or an HID bulb, that reflector is not designed for that. So you are no longer in compliance. You are breaking the law. Um, but even even worse than that, you're, you're creating an unsafe condition. You're creating a lot of glare because that reflector is not designed for that light. So it's not focusing it where it needs to be. And really, it's because the uh, the incandescent light emits light in, in a certain way, the LED a different way, HID again a different way, and to be focused the same way, they all need different reflectors, different angles, etc. Yes, they have to be matched. The reflector has to be matched to the light source. So you, you can't take something and replace the bulb with something that's not paired or matched to it. Right. So if we're talking about a headlight, we're talking about a full headlight replacement. You replace your entire housing if you're going to switch from an incandescent to an LED or an HID for that matter. Yes, that is the absolute only way to do it, uh, not only to be legal, but to be safe. Okay. And what about direction signals? Can you just put a, a like a regular LED replacement bulb in there? I mean, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of bulbs that have the same connections. You know, you have like a 1157 or 1156 automotive bulb and you can get an LED replacement for it. Does that work for signals? Um, most of the time, no. It, it, you know, I can't say with 100% certainty because there are some replacements that you can get for turn signals that would work. But basically, if you walk into your local auto parts store, buy a bulb and put it in there, it's not going to be DOT compliant. You're going to have to buy something that was specifically designed for that housing. What about wiring too? Is, is there a change in wiring? Is there, is there a problem putting an LED bulb in? There, there, there can be. Um, with, with headlights, typically, we, we don't see that problem when we, we swap them out. With turn signals, most motorcycles, the uh, flasher unit on the vehicle is what we call load-dependent. So it's, it's designed for a certain amount of load. It's expecting a certain current draw on there. And because LEDs are so much more energy efficient, we're changing that load to something much less. So the bike is designed to think that there's a, a bulb out when we drop that current down. 
So it responds with a flash, a fast flash, like you would in your car. If you've ever driven your, your car and you know a bulb was out, you notice when you put your turn signal on, it's flashing at about twice the normal rate. Your motorcycle will do the same thing. So what do you do to combat that or how is that reversed? So what they have is um, what we call a load equalizer. It's uh, something to put back on the motorcycle to bring the current back up into specification. Um, And there's different ways of doing that. Um, Again, that gets into uh, the price and the quality. Um, What has been the traditional method is to put a resistor, a large resistor, a power resistor that just takes current and and transforms it into heat. So it gets your, your current draw of the vehicle up into the specification, but that resistor gets very, very hot. Um, So there's some problems with that. One is if your alarm is going off on your bike and your turn signals are flashing, you can overheat that resistor and actually burn it up. Um, If you put your bike into, if your bike is equipped with four-way hazards, and let's say you're uh, doing an escort or you're in a parade and you have the four-way hazards on, that resistor is not designed to take that much load for that period of time. And again, it can go up in smoke. So what we have created is um, a electronic way of doing that in that we draw the power from the turn signals, but we take that power, that current that we're drawing, and we give it back to the motorcycle. We recycle it. So we pull it from the turn signals and give it back to the battery so that the turn signal thinks it has the right current draw on it, but we're not dissipating it as heat as a resistor would. We're returning and recycling it to the motorcycle. So there's no heat involved. Sort of like you load up a capacitor, you mean? Um, It's similar, but it's more of a a recycling. A capacitor typically will charge up and and, and stay charged and then give that charge away if it's discharged. This is more of a recycling. It's more of taking um, the power from one area and moving it back to another. So the net, there's no net loss in the system. So an interesting thing to note with the resistor style is that quite often when people switch to LED lighting, it's for a power gain because a lot of bikes don't put out an awful lot of power. And if you can reduce what your headlight draws, you might be able to add a heated vest or maybe a heated vest for your pillion. But if you're running resistors on it to make up for your signals, you've lost the gain there in the LED lighting. Absolutely. That, that's a, a real common um, problem out there. People do this to, to gain uh, that extra power for something, like you said, a heated vest or heated grips or, or, or something. But with the resistor, there, there's no um, gain at all. You're, you're right back to where you were. So doing this the way we have with an electronic box and recycling the power, now you've freed up that power to use for something else. So you, you do have a net savings. So what's different about the lights that you make? Well, several things. So what we always do uh, in every every product we do is we do a lot of research and development. We want to use the best LEDs for that application. So there's a lot of different types of LEDs and different manufacturers of LEDs, but we want to select the LED that's most appropriate for that. We want to have the best quality product that we can put out. Um, and, and our products are not going to be the lowest price in the market. And, and that's because we want to use the, the best LED, the best process, and the best product. And, you know, it's not just selecting the LED. It's selecting, you know, the amount of copper you put into the product, the type of conformal coating and waterproofing, the type of wire, whether you're using, you know, a Teflon-coated wire. Um, you know, the, so there's a lot of other factors that, that go into this besides just picking the LED, but 
the, the heart of this, where, where it all starts, is selecting the best LED for that application. And really, that, that I'm glad you mentioned about the price point because that's, I, I, I guess, what most people will shop on when it comes to this sort of thing. But I think it's the thing you probably want to avoid the most. I mean, you got to pick a budget. Everybody does. But the last thing you want to do when you're looking for this sort of thing is shop on price alone. Yes. And like I said, when we started off, I, I've been doing this a long time, 15 years now. And I, I've seen a lot of people have come up to me, whether it's at a show or whether it's at one of these motorcycle events like a Daytona. Um, and they have said, hey, you know what? I, I've purchased other people's lights in the past. I've gone through three sets of them now. I'm here. You know, I thought I was saving money, but this has cost me more money if I would have just bought your lights in the very beginning. So now I'm here. I want to do it the right way. Yes. And I have bought cheap LED lights before thinking that they were going to be the same thing. And then when I actually turned them on, I realized that the light goes everywhere except where I want it to go. And it really, that huge saving was just a waste of money. That's exactly right. That, that glare that you're talking about, scattering of that light, um, that, that's, that's the problem. And, and the other issue, too, is the quality of it. How long is it going to last? How long will it do with heat from the motorcycle? Um, and, you know, the, we, we, these motorcycles can produce a lot of heat. And that's something that you have to consider is the environment that the LEDs put into. Well, Dave, that's all great information. Thank you very much. Well, you're welcome, Jim. Glad to talk to you today. And that was Dave Verbula from Custom Dynamics. You can find out more about them by visiting their website, www.customdynamics.com. And of course, that link will be in our show notes. BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. Maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. And the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll fill your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com The MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com.
Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course you, the listener. Thank you very much. Remember, you can download all of our shows for free. Drop by your website, <laughs> drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and uh, just click on them. Look at them. We've got show notes, the whole bit in there. Have a look through the site. We also have our other show that we do once a month, Raw. That's the roundtable discussions. Again, free to download. Drop by the website, click on the Raw button. All of our podcasts are available almost everywhere. I think everywhere you find podcasts. Don't forget to drop by our Facebook page, like our Facebook, send us a note, tell us what you think, tell us what you'd like to hear. Thanks very much. And I hope, I hope through this episode, you've, you've really got an idea on LED lighting now and what it can do for your motorcycle and um, maybe offer some options for you. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike. My name's Jim Martin. See you next week. Hi, this is Teach McNeil, and you are listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 